1: Hello, and welcome to the Line of Scrimmage podcast presented by Tomahawk Nation. Over the next 15 to 20 minutes, we're going to be chatting it up with a member of the media from FSU's next opponent. My name is Tim Allenball, and after taking care of business up north, FSU is back home to take on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. To help fans prepare for this matchup, we'll spend the next few minutes discussing the Cajuns with Josh Jogno with the Raging Review. So let's jump right into it. Josh, thanks so much for being on with us tonight.
0: Hey, Tim, thanks for the opportunity to get, uh, get to be able to talk some football with the next opponent, Florida State. Obviously, big name around college football. We're excited about the matchup. And, uh, yeah, like you said, the opportunity is an exciting one.
1: Well, Josh, I just uh, – again, thank you for being on, and I want to apologize up front. Um, the Cajuns go really hard on the name pronunciation game. Uh, <laughs> after mastering DJ Uyonglele earlier this year, uh, I started reading up on, on the Cajuns and, man, Louisiana really brought the heat this week. So on that note, I asked Josh pre, uh, pre-Zoom how to say his name, but I haven't asked him how to say anybody else's name. So, Josh, feel free to get the red pen out. Correct me as we go, uh, because it is a mouthful when you really get into this team's roster. <laughs>
0: Yeah, if you ever look at the game notes, they'll always have, you know, three, four, six uh, pronunciation issues. When you look at the Raging Cajuns pronunciation guide, it's always like 40 names. I always get a (laughs) kick out of that. We could have made it a bit. What was the hardest name to say? Which one tripped you up the most? That could have been a 10 minute bit right there.
1: Yeah, uh, it's on the defensive side. We'll get there. I got his I got his name uh, written down. But uh, speaking of hard names, let's talk about the head coach, Michael Desorme. Oh cool.
0: That is a new one. That's a new one it's It's I'm actually gone. it's actually Desermo. Desermo, Desermo. Now look, there different parishes say names differently here in Louisiana, so I sometimes on our podcast will say Desormo, because where I'm from in St Landry Parish, we say Desermo. Down south, they call it Desermo, so don't feel bad. It's something yeah. that we have infighting even in in the locals uh circles, okay?
1: I wanted to say DeSormo, like Jornos, because that's the tweet I read. But then I, I think I read something from your site that was like, no, that's wrong. But I tried to go strong with the Dez, and then it fell apart after that. But uh, this is uh, his first year as head coach, but it's definitely far from his first year in the program. Uh, a, a native Cajun himself, De Zormo, uh, played at Louisiana, uh, has been on the staff since 2016, how has the team changed under his first year leadership and what's it mean to the players and and really the fan base as a whole to kind of have this native son there leading, leading the program.
0: I can tell you as a student at the time that Mike was the quarterback for our football team in 2006 to uh, excuse me, 2005 to 2009, I was a junior at UL in 2008. Uh, The fact that Mike was able to rise up in the coaching ranks span three different administrations <clears throat> excuse me ricky Bussell, mark hudspeth and then obviously he was the interim head coach between the napier exit and then obviously being named uh head coach excuse me tim uh i think that it says a lot about mike's character that he was able to impress that amount of people throughout three different administrations and brian maggard our athletic director to not only hold down the fort when everything was kind of in chaos around here, but also he's represented us at the National Coaches Convention uh, over the last seven years. So he has been able to develop relationships. He's been able to develop pipelines with regard to recruiting and talent. He's done everything for our program. So to answer your question, I think the locals love the fact that a Cajun is the head coach of the raging Cajuns. I think that means a lot of people around here where identity is literally our moniker. I think it's a big deal, but, but to have a former player, a guy that laid it on the line with his grit and attitude, a former quarterback who led the team in, in really a transitional phase when he was a player, Ricky Bussell came in here and really changed the culture around here. We were a losing program, a doormat for a long time. I think Mike being part of that uh, really, it it, it has some sort of nostalgic feel to where people started to believe that this program could be something so that would be the very first thing i would say and then obviously mike is just an uh, he's an incredible guy he knows football but more importantly he's a good man he's a leader of men and the guy, the kids on the team the players and the coaches his staff especially the holdovers they love the guy every time you speak to one of them they can't stop talking about how much of a, a leader and a great man this person is so I think all those things together make him a fantastic hire for the program. Now, obviously, we didn't get the results that we wanted or expected, but here's the thing. A whole lot changed from the last 10, 11 months. And I don't think that our fan base and and even our hardcore fans, I don't think we expected uh, what was to come. So I don't know about results, but just from a pure, uh, you know, the fact that he is our coach, I think it's going to have some staying power.
1: Yeah, I was watching uh, – it looks like Louisiana kind of puts out those cinematic-type uh, post-game videos similar to what Florida State's doing for our fan base, if, if they're familiar with that. And uh, they always kind of have some of his speeches in there. And he's he's a pretty uh, – you know, make-you-run-through-a-brick-wall-type a guy. So I could see where he's a player's, a player's coach for sure.
0: Yeah, he's a player's coach. They all love him. The number one thing that they said when Mike was named head coach officially – was that we know he loves us, and uh, that goes a long way around here. If you ever want to know how much uh, clout Mike had on the Billy Napier staff, he was Billy's number one recruiter. He was his go-to guy in recruiting. So a guy like Billy Napier with his pedigree and what he saw throughout his college football career trusted Mike to go out and get players for him. So I always remember that when I think about Mike and his ability to hold a football team together and build for the future. I think that's important to note.
1: Um, let's let's just jump into the team on offense. It's really been a back and forth quarterback rotation between Chandler Fields and Ben uh, Wooldridge. However, if I if I read the post game on a couple of them, a few games back, Fields was injured, kind of an undisclosed upper uh, body injury, which is uh, I, I love coach speak on that. Um, and really, it's been all Wooldridge as of late. Uh, is it still going to be Wooldridge this weekend? And if so, what's the strengths of uh, this Fresno State transfer? And, and where could FSU potentially have success against him?
0: Well, let me start with Ben. Uh, first of all, Ben is your quintessential leader. Guys play for him. Even when there was a rotation going on, there was a, a discernible difference when Ben was in the game. There was just a little bit extra juice to the offense. And I'm one of those guys that believes if you win the, the job, the starting job, regardless of what position it is. If you win that throughout spring ball and through the long haul, uh, you should never lose your job to an injury. This was a particular case where it was so nip and tuck with Ben and with Chandler. Uh, I don't, I, without the injury, I think maybe they continue that rotation. And I hate to say this, but it may have been a blessing in disguise for the offense, honestly. Chandler is a great guy. He's a hard worker. He's the type of guy you want leading your program. But like I said, there just was a little bit extra with Ben. Uh, and it's, and to your point about the injury, we think it's a labrum that he's been fighting. And if you I know you guys have dealt with labrums, uh, that can be a tricky injury. Uh, but the rumor is around here, and this is probably the first time you'll hear this in media. Uh, we expect Chandler to get some snaps this weekend. So that'll be a little bit of a different wrinkle. Uh, I hope I'm not giving anything up for, I hope Mike doesn't come out and beat me up for saying that, but that that's the rumor. Uh, you know, it might be a setup. You know, I might I might be setting you up. So, uh, but Chandler is a, is a very effective quarterback. He's very accurate when he's healthy and on a roll. Early on in the season, the issue was we had guys trying to win the snaps so they could stay in the game rather than win the game, if that makes any sense. Yeah. We were too narrow in focus, in my view. I, I think that... Both guys are capable. I think Ben has a little bit extra juice with, his, with regards to his arm strength. I think he throws a better deep ball at this point in his career. I think he's played a little bit more football. Um, the fact that he's been around, like you said, he transferred from Fresno. A pass-happy offense that knows how to get the ball around the field. So I think Ben Woldridge benefited probably from an unfortunate injury, but I think our offense as a whole got, I hate to say lucky, but it, it worked out in our favor, if that's probably a better way to say it.
1: No, I get that. Um, you know, it, it was weird um, reading the game logs because there would be some games where it was really – Woldridge really stood out, but then there was a couple where Fields really stood out as well. But uh, I know what you're talking about. It's a different kind of pressure when you're playing to get the starting job versus just playing comfortably to be in control of the offense and try to win the game. So, yeah, um, like you said, blessing in disguise. Um, if I talk about who Woldridge is going to throw to – Uh, really one name jumps out. It's Michael Jefferson, a senior there, uh, over 600 receiving yards, but then it's a pretty good fall off, at least stats wise from Jefferson to the next, uh, receiver. And that's, I think it was a tight end in this instant come come Saturday. Is it Jefferson and everybody else or, and I think you mentioned this a little bit on your stream the other day, uh, there are some other potential players that could step up. And I know you had a couple in, in mind.
0: Yeah. Um. Like like every other fan, I kind of fall in love with certain players over the course of a season, and I really like Jacob Bernard. He's a great wide blocker. He does the dirty work. He will lay his body on the line for for a catch, let alone winning a down or, or winning a series or winning a game. I think Jacob is one of those guys that you can rely on uh, in a big moment. The, the The lights don't scare him. You know what I mean. I think Mike Jefferson is it. He is that gem in the rough, diamond in the rough, whatever you want to call it, whatever cliche you want to pull out of the closet. He didn't start playing football until his junior year of high school. Uh, His father had some severe health issues early on in his college playing days, and he was at Alabama State. He ended up here because of Mike Desarmo. Uh, He has blossomed. He has been finally healthy this year, and he's been the number one target with other guys moving on, and Kyron Lacey ended up transferring to LSU. He was probably going to be our number one option. He was uber talented. Michael Jefferson has every tool that you want he's going to be an nfl receiver one way or the other. He's fast, he's big, he's physical. Uh he has had problems catching the football at times, but we had Dante Fleming on who's been a pretty big contributor for the offense down the stretch with with Ben playing well. And he said that really if you if you look at those first four or five games, the offense wasn't in sync because you know, when you play quarterback carousel, the chemistry's not there and the wide receivers it couldn't get a feel for where the ball was going to be and how progressions were going to go. And, and, you know, just overall reads and route trees, you know how it changes. Uh, So I think that now that we have some cohesion on offense, especially with our offensive line starting to play a little bit better. I think now you're seeing the guys that been really trust. And like you said, it's Mike, it's MJ. We call him MJ, Mike Jefferson. It's Jacob Bernard and Dante Fleming is going to be one of those guys that he'll sneak by and hit a home run on you very fast, a little bit undersized, but I think that, helps him. Uh, I, I really think that, that he's so unassuming. He looks like a guy you don't have to worry about. Next thing you know, he's on a crossing route, taking it, uh, you know, 80 yards, yak, touchdown. I mean, he's done that. So we've got, we've got other guys that are talented. We have John Stevens Jr. who's about 6'7", uh, about 205. He's also one of those guys that have had drop issues. He's still a guy that can be a danger when he's on. So those are guys that I look to contribute. We also have a tight end room that is criminally – underutilized. I'm a big tight end guy, criminally underutilized. Johnny Lumpkin, fifth year senior. Um, he's constantly on the tight end award. I can't remember the tight end award all of a sudden, but three years in a row, he's been on it. We have Pierce Meagle, He's been in the program four years. Um, Neil Johnson Jr., who I call always open Johnson Jr. He's always open. They just never find him. That's, that's my gripe for the day. Uh, but we've got capable pass catchers. And I think with the offensive line finally starting to gel, uh, I think the passing attack is probably something that Florida State's going to have to worry about this Saturday.
1: I mean, honestly, if, if there's an area where I think you can take advantage of Florida State, it is the secondary. Um, inconsistency from the defensive backs have definitely stood out. Um, and the defensive line, I currently, I feel like, is is the strength and where everybody's healthy. So uh, that'll be curious to see how Louisiana attacks there. But speaking of the defensive line, uh, if we're talking about running backs, it's a, it looks like, again, a one-two punch for Louisiana with Chris Smith and Terrence Williams. Uh, they both have really good numbers. They, they both, uh, one of them, different kind of sizes, not a huge difference, but uh, I think Terrence was a little bit heavier than Chris Smith. Is, is this a thunder and lightning situation with power and speed, or are these guys pretty similar?
0: If I'm looking at the first six games of the year, it's more like overcast and heat lightning. Um, it's it's been a struggle with with regard to the running game up until about a month ago Mm -hmm. Chris Smith has been struggling with injuries basically his entire career Terrence Williams young guy um, I think he's a true sophomore this year he he is he is tantalizing with his his north-south running style and his very obvious agility for a big guy I think he's going to be a big-time runner as he learns the game, learns his assignments, and learns to block. I think a lot of the reason why he's not been a feature back for us is because he's just got to learn the blocking scheme. But, man, is he a physical load. Uh, I look for him to play a big role on Saturday. I really like Terrence a whole lot. Look for Draylen Washington also to get some carries. He's a kind of a combo between Chris Smith and Terrence Williams. He's a little bit more physical, but he is shifty, and he will cut the edge and go. Um, but Chris Smith is your home run hitter. Uh, we don't feature him quite as much as I'd like to, but in my view, he's he's your home run hitter. If you can use him as a decoy, I think that's smart. But when you need a big play, look for Chris Smith to get the rock. That's that's the way I see it. The funny thing is that um, Kadobi was going to be our our more physical back. He was going to be like our third down back. Uh, we made him a wide receiver last year because we were so deep in the running back room. This year, he's back in the running back room, but he's been hurt. We've we've dealt with quite a few injuries, but that is the running back. Uh, situation in a nutshell so look for Chris Smith Terrence and Dre Washington to get the bulk of the carries
1: you know I didn't mention Washington but when I was looking at the game logs, it was he kind of seemed like that guy that would have like one carry for 50 yards or something crazy like that you know so he's one of those kind of maybe like even a gadget type back where you find one key play and he kind of comes out of nowhere and explodes so uh uh, glad you brought him up. Um, last thing I want to talk about on the offense is a question I like to try to ask everybody. Uh, what's the offensive line look like health-wise, experience-wise? Is, is, you know, what can Florida State fans expect? Uh, because we've been going through uh, a series of facing some really dinged-up offensive lines lately and taking advantage of that. Uh, what's the situation at Louisiana?
0: So this year, it seems like every year it's it's one position group or another, but this particular year the offensive line has experienced – Our cluster injury uh, plague that we have, and it began in spring and we went out into the portal. A couple guys didn't work out. We had a transfer from ULM who was an all Sun Belt Conference player. Couldn't he couldn't play. It was I don't want to say any names, but he just could not play. I don't know if he got happy and fat. I don't know what happened. He just couldn't play. So uh, we we got a guy from Michigan State. Brilliant kid, by the way, Uh, just didn't work out. Was not as good as the two deep that was full of freshmen, even after cluster injuries. Just didn't work out. Uh, so that happened. We plugged some holes. We, we begged the guy in Hudson, our center. He was done with football. Uh, we basically begged him to come back for his, what I think is his sixth year of eligibility with COVID and an injury. So, you know, I don't know what his commitment was like early on. I think we made him some promises and he's slowly gotten better, but he knew the signals. He knew the protections. He was an asset. Physically, he was getting dominated early in the season. I'll give him credit. I'll give Coach Ross some credit. I'll give Coach Nord some credit. They have found a way to put together and piecemeal an offensive line that all of a sudden over the past three weeks have really started to do their job and look good doing it. Uh, All the way down to our right guard, Jax Harrington, who we all believe is going to be our next NFL offensive lineman. We've put several in the NFL over the last four years. We thought that he was going to be the guy that was going to, you know, go ahead and be that next uh, NFL draft pick. Hasn't worked out. He's banged up as well. Hasn't played the last two weeks. I'm not sure on his status this week because Mike does what Billy does and basically just makes up the injury report. So uh, we, we, that's yet to be seen. But the right side, uh, you know, kind of bolstered by a bunch of young guys, have been, they've been really blocking well. Uh, and I'm talking about against really good defenses like Troy, uh, namely Troy and, and Southern Miss. Troy was no joke, and they probably are a legitimate top 25 defense. And I think at the half, we had almost 200 yards rushing. So that is encouraging. Some guys finally uh, getting some reps under their belt. And I think that, I think that Coach Leger put it best where he said, because of the cluster injuries, it took us the first month, maybe month and a half of the season to go through spring and to go through those, those uh, early season bumps. And those guys just kind of took it on a chin and continue to roll with it. So I fi- like I said earlier, I find that we are finally starting to gel and work as one on the offensive line. Finally, I think it's a little too late, but you're five and five. You are what you are. Your record says what you are. I think that that's the number one reason why we're five and five is because of our issues on offensive line uh, to this point.
1: It, I feel like everybody always talks about and points to if there's one place that just will sink your season, it's the offensive line. So, hundred uh, we'll percent. And last. Tim, <laughs> yeah. you got
0: to remember, we lost Osiris Torrance to. Florida, Florida who's the number one offensive lineman in the country. He might be a top 5 overall pick. Right. We had we we uh, we lost Max Mitchell to the NFL draft, went third round or fourth round to the Jets. He's starting for them. Uh you know, the amount of talent that left, the amount of talent that was injured, uh, you know, how hard that is so incredibly difficult to go ahead and replace that amount of snaps, that amount of seniority and that amount of talent. It's just it's almost impossible. So, I give the coaching staff a lot of credit because they they got some grief early on in the season from the fans.
1: <laughs> the The offensive line coach is always a, a target for the fans for sure. Um, so great offensive uh, preview there. Thanks so much for that. Let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball where I really feel like there's some stars on this Louisiana team. Um, a very solid defense giving up right around 120 yards on the ground. Um, and when, when I look at that and when I kind of took a peek at the games and the game logs and, and the recaps and such, I don't know if you could really consider this success that they're having just because of the defensive line or just because of the linebackers, but I think it's a combination of the two units. Um, There's some really crazy numbers when you look at these guys. Uh, Zion Hill Green and Andre Jones have over 12 combined sacks. Jordan Quibido leads the team with over 70 tackles. Chris Moncrief, Casey Osai, uh, two really good players. I mean, what's really been the key for these two units to have so much success and have the cohesiveness? Is it a lot of experience, or have they just really taken that next step?
0: First of all, excellent job on Quibido. <laughs> we, we call him Quib. He is our Mike linebacker. Now, Quib is a fantastic story. He's a finalist for the uh Walk-On, career Walk-On trophy. That's how good he's been. Started as a special teams guy. He was a Walk-On, obviously. Preferred Walk-On. He may have been a gray shirt. Uh, regardless, he comes in. He's a monster, a demon on special teams, works his way into the linebacker room. Every time he got a shot, he made a play. And because we lost Farad Gardner to the Commanders and we lost uh, uh, McCaskill to the Kansas Jayhawks, he had a ripe opportunity to walk in and be the senior. He made Mike, Mike linebacker. He made the calls. He kept the defense together uh, early on when our new defensive coordinator, Lamar Morgan, in his first few games was kind of scrambling a little bit. So I give a ton of credit to Quib. Uh, he's been fantastic, and it seems like he just gets better and better. He might even get a cup of coffee with some team in training camp for the NFL. That's how good he's been. Physical, athletic, and, I mean, just an absolute monster. I love Quib. And, by the way, I love defense, so stop me if I ramble. Uh, Zion Hill Green, okay, he is a half a sack short of the school record for sacks. He needs a half sack, so hopefully we can make that happen before the end of the season. All he's done has been, in my view, our best and most impactful defensive player Uh, he's dealt with injuries a lot in his career. He's a local son from Erath. A lot of following here. A lot of love for Zion. Uh, He's a monster. He's somebody that you're going to have to deal with. He will come up on the stat sheet against Florida State. I promise you that. Andre Jones, defensive end by trade. They asked him to move to outside linebacker because they wanted to move some guys around. They wanted to move Brandon Bishop, who we'll talk about in a bit, to to our star. Some people call it the buck position, the buck linebacker position. Uh, They moved him. And all he's done is show up on uh, Nat Jim. Is it Jim Nagy? Uh, the guy with uh, the Senior Bowl. He does the projections for the NFL defensive players. He's going to get a Reese's Senior Bowl invite, and he's number 10 on his depth chart for uh, linebackers to be drafted in the NFL. So that's what he's done just by moving from his natural position. So think about that. I mean, that's pretty impressive for, for Andre Jones. Chris Moncrief, not been healthy for a couple of weeks, but he is fast, he is physical, mean. Mean, we have a lot of grit on defense, which is my favorite thing about the defense. Uh, You you mentioned Casey Osai, who's probably our most athletic player on defense. True sophomore, young, learned some lessons early in pass coverage, but monster run defender. I think that he only gets better and better. And again, I credit Mike Giuliani, who's been here three years. He's seen some real linebackers come through this program. Jacques Jacques Boudreaux, I mentioned McCaskill, I mentioned Farrar Garner. He has put some guys in the NFL. He knows what he's doing in the linebacker room. Uh, also, Galen Scott, he comes to us from Virginia Tech, which you, uh, you, you're familiar with those, those old, I say old, probably about six years ago, Virginia Tech defenses were top five, top 15 type defenses uh, in the ACC for years. So he, he, again, knows defense. We've got some real guys that have seen real quality FBS defense that coach our guys. And we had Andre Jones on uh, our show, Rage and Review, for an interview, and the number one question I asked him was, Andre, what do you accredit all of the improvement and the quick improvement in the in the linebacker room? And he said, coaching. Just been coached up. Coach, coach, coach. They work hard. They push our players, and our players respond. So that's what I, I – I mean, I was very critical of the linebacker room early on in past coverage. you watch the EMU tape. It's brutal. You watch the ULM tape. It's brutal. You watch the Rice tape. It's brutal. We got – destroyed over the middle and pass coverage. And it was all because our linebackers were lost. If you look at the game film from the last couple of weeks, they've been so solid against really good passing defenses. So shout out to those guys. That's what I think. Um, The defensive line just continues to get better. They're just very talented. That was just a matter of time. And our secondary is just the backbone of our defense. It is the number one. Well, the number two cornerbacks and safeties, they are what makes this team
1: tick. Uh, it's funny you talked about you just mentioned the quarterbacks and safeties because on paper, uh, and I'm using air quotes here, and we won't see this because we're just doing audio. They're they're the weaker part of the defense, you know, numbers wise. But you know, um, and and Braylon Trey Treyhan Treyhan and Cam Pedesclo, yes. oh yeah, uh, those guys are are the they really stand out as the leaders. Uh, they ha- I think. Uh, Trahan has four picks on the on the season Uh, seems to be a ball hawk type type guy is this an area where Florida State can potentially have success or are the numbers misleading
0: so this is something that I stress to everybody that I talk to about raging Cajun football you got to understand this team has been saddled with for six to seven weeks an inept offense regardless of what that EMU game line looks like take that out and look at what we did for the first 6 weeks of the season. It wasn't pretty. Look at what we did against Southeastern. It wasn't pretty. This defense has been burdened with a special teams unit and that's across the board. Punt, punt return, kick, kick return, field goal team, everything. We have relied on those teams for the last 3 years and they have been outstanding. This year, not. Not even average. Now recently they've been much better. But for the majority of the season, special teams has been below average offense mostly inept until we settled in with quarterback and scheme and everything. And everybody got a little bit more healthy. This defense is the real deal. Throw out whatever any, I know we played 10 games and I understand that I'm telling you, this is a unique situation. This defense is the real deal. The secondary is the real deal. Braylon Tron, Tron, by the way, he, another local guy went to high school here in Lafayette. This is, I think his fifth, fifth or sixth year of eligibility with COVID and, uh and, Health. The guy just said, he, he's one of those players that just got exponentially better every single year. He's got all of the intangibles that you want. He's a leader in the backfield. He knows everything about everybody. He knows where to be. He doesn't have to think about where to be. He just reacts. Uh, I think he led us in interceptions last year and he may be close this year. Haven't checked it in the last few weeks, but he's just that guy back there that's not, he's going to make you pay for throwing a bad, making a bad pass. It's just going to happen. Uh, Cam Pedesclo, You mentioned Cam. Cam is... Five nine, maybe five eight, about a buck seventy, soaking wet. I mean, he's literally my size, and he is the hardest hitter. He is our thumper. He will make you pay. Uh, especially, look if the quarterback's not looking out for the tight end or the wide receiver's best interest, somebody's going to get hurt. He's out there to hurt. I mean, that's what he does. He is our thumper. Eric Garer, five eleven. I think they list him at six foot, but he's five eleven. Another one about 185. If he's 6'2 205, he's playing for Florida or LSU or he's playing in the SEC and he's on somebody's draft board. That's how good he is. And every game we put him on an island and we say, go get the best guy. You're going to be man on man on an island and we're not going to help you. We're going to play single high safety. We're going to push everybody up. We're going to make them beat us. And they don't because Eric Guerra is that good. He's physical. He's instinctual. I think he's our, he might be the best cornerback we've had here since. Ike Taylor, are Peanut. I mean, that's how good the guy is. If he had better size, top two pick. Top two round pick. That's my, that's my thought. Brandon Bishop, transferred from Alabama. He's our star backer. He just is one of those guys, ball hawks, makes things happen. I, at one point, I think we were plus 12 in the turnover margin. I'm not sure where it is now. I still think we're on the plus side. But it's all because of that secondary. Uh, Caleb Anderson, he's about 6'3", eighty, Physical? He's going he's gonna to go up against your, your 50-50 ball type receiver. I know you guys have a couple of those. I look for him to play a big role on Saturday. We have so many of those guys littered. Uh, Amir McDaniel. I could go on and on and on. The secondary is as good as I'm telling you it is, I promise you. The numbers are lying. This is one of those very rare moments where the numbers are not, they're not um, reflective of what this team is capable of doing. And Obviously, you can tell I'm very fond of that, of that secondary.
1: Hey, I'm I'm all about uh guys that will will really just lay the wood in the secondary uh and 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 crush people. So uh I don't, I hope I don't see any of that on Saturday, but you know, next time I turn turn into a Louisiana game, I hope I see that. Um uh it'll definitely be some some matchups there that it will be interesting to see with uh Johnny Wilson, you know, six seven out there uh, to see how that goes in the 50-50 balls or 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 what goes on there. Um yeah, yeah Johnny and- Wilson
0: was the guy I was talking about, and the thing about Johnny Wilson is i've watched I watched a couple of your guys' games and he's he's the guy like i'm worried about third and eleven turn fire it do we have do we have the athletes to compete with a guy like that? I think that Caleb Anderson is that guy that's why mm-hmm. I mentioned him. Uh, I think that this entire game is predicated on matchups you're front seven against our ability to I think our offensive line is capable, but we're going to have to chip everybody. We're going to have to keep tight ends and our running backs are going to not, they cannot miss assignments, especially with guys like verse and all the other guys you have. We have to be, we have to execute better like times 200 than we have the entire season, but I do think we have the athletes to do it. We just got to execute. I really believe that.
1: Yeah. Um, and it'll also be interesting with uh, what's the news out of Florida state today is nobody's expected to miss the game, but, uh, Coach Morvell did say that a couple guys were maybe battling some sicknesses, so we'll see what happens there on that front. As it is, it is flu season all throughout the uh, the nation. Breaking and, news! Uh, I mean, it, it the beat dropped it, so I'm I'm, I'm not dropping anything that's, like you said, going to get me in trouble. Uh, and at this point, nobody's expected to uh, to miss the game. Uh, but man, I know last year we got ravaged with the flu against NC State, um, so I, I'm I'm hoping not to have a similar situation pop up but as long um, as
0: long as you guys don't pull a, a we call them COVID Carolina we were going in there to win a, a Sunbelt championship and they canceled the game hours before it was supposed to start so we call them COVID Carolina now and they will always be known as COVID Carolina to me
1: <laughs> fair enough uh, I I I hope that doesn't happen as well uh, we had a lot of COVID situations happen in Florida State a couple of years ago as well um Let's just, let's just wrap it up here. Uh, I caught some of your live stream last night or yeah, last night with Perry. Uh, I know you have a lot of confidence here. Uh, It's been an up and down season for Louisiana. And right now it seems like it's on the up. Uh, What's your overall thoughts on how this game goes and do you see the Cajuns pulling the upset?
0: Well, like I said on the stream last night and you can, uh, people scoff at this, but I think there's a big part of the psychological aspect that people forget and what I brought up on the stream is that there's still a core on this Florida state team that did lose to Jackson state or Jacksonville state at home. And you didn't lose that game because you weren't as talented as they were. You, you were way talent, more talented than they were to me. That just speaks to lack of focus and lack of taking the game seriously. Does that repeat itself? Are you looking ahead to Florida? Uh, you, I mean, you guys just crushed Miami. You got Florida coming. It is the like, this is the definition of a trap game type situation. If they overlook Louisiana, and I was watching the War Chant TV show, which was interesting, uh, they no seemed comments. to no they walked right past the Cajuns. Which you know, obviously, as a fan, you go, "Hey, man, you got a game on Saturday. Maybe you should pay attention to that." Uh, so, Tim, if I'm being honest, like I said, I think that we have the athletes to compete. Have we executed like we should have and like we have the last few years? We haven't. And uh, on paper, I'm probably dead wrong. I understand that. At the end of the day, I'm a fan. I'm probably a little bit too close to not be able to see the trees, if, if that makes sense. Um, I do not expect to go out there and lay down. I don't think... Like, there's a 24-point spread on this game. I think that's outrageous. I, I, you know, I understand that you guys have dominated some teams over the last month. We're not that. I, and I, I don't know we're not the... You know, we're not the the blue blood of Georgia Tech. I was gonna we're not Miami, we're not Georgia Tech, we're not Syracuse, you know, I get all that, but we're not a scrub team. I think you're gonna be surprised by the physicality. I really do. I think that we've played if you look at Southern Miss, they came out and they punched us in the mouth on the road on a short week, and we deserve to lose the game. But we played hard in the second half. We made some mistakes, but we played hard. We played three fantastic quarters against Troy. We fell, we fell apart in the fourth quarter, and we lost the game. So I understand you can't overlook that. But if you look at the cumulative effect over the last three games, Cajuns have played good football, probably the best football they've played to date. If we can keep that momentum going into Florida State, we're competitive in the first half. If we can get a couple of turnovers, and we have been doing that this season, and we can get a little bit of lack of focus from Florida State, it can be one of those late-season uh-oh games for Florida State. That's what I think.
1: Well, Josh, I really appreciate it. Uh, tons of insight. I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed the, the pronunciation corrections as well. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, my my family lives in Louisiana now. And so I've got a little taste of, of some of the craziness, although you said they're basically in Southern Arkansas. So uh, I like to wrap up the podcast with a choose your own adventure type question. I'll give you three categories. You tell me what you want. Uh, and I'll ask you the question from there. So uh, TV streaming is category one or movies. Um, food from Louisiana is number two and uh, movies from Louisiana is number three.
0: I don't watch a ton of TV, so I'll go
1: food. All right. Um, I, I have a, uh, a degree from a small seminary school in, in, in Shreveport. Uh, when I went to my graduation, uh, they had a, a, a dinner for everybody outside and they had this massive pot of, uh, of, of crawfish uh, boiled uh, and they talked about you just pop their heads off and basically suck the brains out or something like that. I passed. I, I, I did not partake. Uh, I did eat some fried gator while I was down there. Tell me this. What are some of the Louisiana delicacies that you love?
0: Okay, so this is going to rub people the wrong way, but I think crawfish is disgusting.
1: <laughs> I never understood it. I still don't to this day.
0: I try it probably every year or every other year. doesn't do it for me. So crawfish is, is an out for me. Um, fried gator is hit or miss. You d- it d- yeah. really depends on who prepares it. Uh, sometimes it's rubbery. Sometimes it's gamey. Sometimes it tastes like catfish. So it, it really just depends on where you get it from. Uh, as far as the delicacy, man, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a big... Uh, how, do, how are you on fish? Do you like fish?
1: I, I don't mind fish. I, I I prefer the fried, the fried type, you know. Uh, sure. But uh, I grew up in Jacksonville, so we, we would eat a lot of uh, catfish down there.
0: Sure. Uh, so catfish cubion. If you ever get the chance, it's more of a thin gravy over a grilled piece of catfish, rice, dressing, the whole thing. Catfish cubion is underrated, not talked about nearly enough. They, they, we talk about crawfish way too much. <laughs> It, 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 we've overvalued it. We got to bring back Catfish Coubillon. That's, that's underserved.
1: How do you spell Cubion? Coubillon with a B. With a B. Something like C O U B I O L L I O N. I think that's right. <laughs> okay. Okay. I get it. I see it now. I, I, now that you, <laughs> you spelled it out, I, I got it. I got it. Well, uh, Josh, this has been a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate it. You know, I always hope that everybody has a competitive game coming out against Florida State. Uh, I hope Florida state obviously wins and wish Louisiana all the best after Saturday. Uh, but take a minute, Josh, tell everybody where they can find you and the rest of your crew.
0: Yeah, for sure. First of all, Tim, we appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys. Like I said, at the top, uh, this will be my first trip to Tallahassee. So I'm looking forward to some some good eats and some good times. Uh, Florida state's always been one of those programs where, you know, it's kind of like bright lights, big time. So this is going to be something one of those, those childhood type destinations i've always wanted to go to so I'm, I'm fired up about that uh but you guys can find us at region review uh facebook twitch twitter uh and pretty much everything youtube uh, all all of the different ig i think we have a tiktok account nick runs all the social media i don't know but uh yeah look us up on youtube we we archive everything we do we do a post game after every show if you guys want to jump in after saturday hopefully it's a victory so it'll be fun but we, uh, we're very honest, and if you, if you have ever had the opportunity to check out one of our streams, it's probably a little too honest. Uh, we let it rip. So, again, appreciate you all. Uh, Florida State's going to be an interesting thing on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Well, thanks so much, Josh, for jumping on with us. Uh, we will see what happens on Saturday, so definitely go check out the guys at Rage and Review. For Josh Jogno, for myself, Tim Allenball at Tomahawk Nation, check us out, uh, the Line of Scrimmage podcast, wherever you check out podcasts. Leave us five stars, all that good stuff, but we'll see what happens with Florida State and the University of Louisiana, no hyphen, on Saturday.